1: To share with you this morning because I'm just going to talk about Jesus, so uh, it's my favorite topic. Uh, easy to talk about because he's fantastic and he's endless. So, uh, whatever I say, yeah, there's always more, yeah. Um, but just um, what God's put on my heart recently as we've been looking at boundary stones, as we've been looking at Mark together, is just um, my heart has just been so consumed with just wanting to know Jesus passionately and just love Jesus because in all of what we're learning it, it's important, it's pertinent but I don't just want to know more about Jesus I want to know him I want to know Jesus my, my only concern is that I can actually say I know Jesus Christ because being a Christian isn't an academic exercise it isn't, um, it, it isn't how much we know but it's how personally we know him. And the thing is, when we know Jesus, it's just so easy to love him, isn't it? I've never seen anything of Jesus that I thought I don't really like that. He's incredible. He's wonderful. He is magnificent. He is the most wonderful person who has ever lived and that I have ever come into contact with. There's just no comparison. There's just no comparison. And I honestly believe that there is nothing that is more important to us than to be completely head over heels in love with Jesus. Yeah. I, I honestly believe that. I've been, I've been thinking for a little while about a caveat to put before that, some kind of statement that says, some precursor that says, actually, it's really important in this situation that we love Jesus, but it's also more important that there's, there's this facet, just in this situation or in this circumstance. And I cannot think of one. I cannot think of a situation where to love Christ and to know him intimately is less important than anything else. Uh, Corinthians um, chapter 13, verse 8 to 13 says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been, uh, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Right. I, I think if I was sick, the best thing for me to do is to grow in my relationship with Christ. I I honestly believe that because as I draw close to him, not only am I going to see in his word the promises of healing, not only am I going to see the promise that he has purchased for me, that I'll receive my health, but also as I draw close to him, I'm comforted. I'm strengthened. I I, I don't want to get into all the... the, uh, the, um, the things that come with healing, but I know this. Sometimes I pray and I see it straight away and sometimes I don't. But to draw close to Christ in those times when I don't, I don't start to doubt, does he want, does he want me healed? Maybe maybe I've done something. Maybe I deserve this. Maybe he's trying to teach me something. No, I see the Christ that had compassion on the crowds. Yeah. I see the Christ that nobody went away from and wasn't healed and I start to understand not only that Christ will heal me, but he wants to. That's what he's like. And as I grow in my relationship with him, it's, it's almost like he shows me more than just the healing, but he shows me himself. It's the same in, in other aspects of life, in wanting to grow in my faith. If, if I need to change, it's drawing close to Christ that enables that to happen. Not trying harder... No, the the thing that changed for me when I was a a, a young man was I'd been brought up very much to believe that as long as I don't do anything to hurt anybody else, that's kind of good enough. You can can make silly mistakes and, and things, but as long as it doesn't impact anyone else, fair enough. But the thing that changed for me was as I grew closer to Christ, I realized I am hurting someone. There is somebody that is affected by my actions, and it's Christ himself, the one who has given everything for me. It's him that's impacted by this. And it's at that point that I say, Christ, I want to change. I want to change because I don't want to bring you pain. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit that's within me. I don't, wanna, I don't want to uh, disregard all that you've done for me. And in drawing closer to Christ, I changed. If we want to see people saved as we draw close to Christ... Again, it's that compassion on the crowds that he had that I capture for myself. It doesn't just become a mission of obligation that says, oh, because Christ told me I have to go and see people saved, I've got to. It's I want to see people saved because I know how much Christ loves them. I just, I'm so, I'm so caught up with, I just want to know Jesus. Jesus. I'm struggling to find anything that matters any more than knowing Jesus. If I'm in need, if I haven't got what I need in my my wallet or my bank account, if I draw close to Christ, it's not that as I draw close to Christ, he goes, okay, you've passed a test now, so I'll provide for you. No, it's not that. But I, I see that he wants to provide for me. He wants to provide and make sure that I have all I need. When, when Jesus speaks to the disciples in Matthew 6, um, how does he comfort those that are worried about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat? It, he doesn't say to them, because you've tithed, I'll provide for you. And I am I, 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 wholeheartedly believe in, in tithing. I, I, I believe that is what the word teaches us, but that's not what Jesus points to. He points to this. He says, look at the birds of the the air and the grass of the field. Look how much God has invested into them and then look at yourself and think how much more, if he will do that for birds and grass, how much more will he provide for you? What Christ does is he says, look at how much God loves you and see that he will provide and this is, this is the mind-boggling, amazing thing about loving Christ, is that it only comes when we see how much he loves us anyway. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. I want to love Christ more deeply, and I, I'm re- I, just, I know that the only way that will happen is when I see how much he loves me. Is that when I respond to, oh Christ, how much do you love me? It's incredible and I, I want to love you more and more and more. Christ knew it. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It seems like, a, in, in our society now, it seems like a harsh statement. If you love me, do what I tell you. But you know, Jesus follows that up where he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. But then he starts to talk about the fact that he's about to send the comforter. He's about to, the Father is going to come and make his home with us. Jesus, when he says, love me, says, love me because look how much I love you. Because I'm going to send my spirit. I'm willing to die for you so I can send my spirit. And my Father is going to come and make his home with you. You know what, when I read then if you love me, you'll obey my commands, I think, tell me some commands because I want to obey you. Because I'd see how much Christ loves me. It's awesome. Awesome. If you haven't already guessed, I am uh, truly, completely convinced that if we grow in our relationship with Christ and love him with all we have, everything else will start to fall into place. I'm not saying that it makes everything easy. It's not like the, the kind of, oh, I love Christ, and now life is simple and, and, and not difficult. I'm not saying that. You know, there's challenges. Like I said before, sometimes we experience sickness, and we have to say, and we have to draw close to Christ. Sometimes we, we encounter seemingly lack, and we have to push into Christ. Sometimes I look at my life, and I think, I just really want that aspect of my life to change, and I have to draw close to Christ. I'm not saying those things disappear, But you know what? Those trials become bearable. They at least become bearable when I'm with Christ because when he then tells me that I can overcome, I actually believe him because I'm hearing him say to me, Mike, you will get through this. Mike, you will have enough. Mike, you will see your healing. Mike, I love you. I just love Jesus so much. He's so awesome. Just to warn you, I do sometimes have, uh, as you've seen before, a condition where when I talk about Christ, my eyes leak. Um, it's something that not even Christ has been able to uh, put right, but, um, so just to warn you, if that happens, no worries. Um, so after that lengthy introduction, what's the point? Um, <laughs> in, in the context of just all we're, um, all we're looking at at the minute, Uh, I was was thinking about the the letter to the Ephesian church um, in Revelation. And uh, let's take a quick look at Revelation 2 from verse 1. So this is... um, the the angel of the church is, is communicating a message from Christ to the church essentially, and um, and I often I do often wonder and just ponder what um, what what the angel of our church would say about us, just what what would be his comments and um, what would the comments of Christ be and and when I read in this uh, in this letter I think there's aspects of it that I think are really pertinent for us and just. The Lord drew me to it again as I was just thinking about what to share and um, how to convey this, this, this burden that is on my heart at the minute. And so let's have a look at what he says. It says, to the angel of the church, this is from verse 1, in Ephesus, writes, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you have endured patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent." Yes, this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, who is in the paradise of God. Now, let's just caveat all of this with, um, I I don't think we need to do a massive U-turn because we've forgotten our first love and our lampstand's about to be removed and this is, uh, you know, all fall on our knees and repent quick. That's not at all what... um, what I'm looking at, but I think it's really interesting when we look at verses 2 to 4, I would say, actually, there are some things that I think we would, we, particularly when we're looking at boundary stones, I think they're things that um, we're doing, we're doing, let's read them again, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, I know you, ha- you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently, bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. I think that's a real description of, of us. We're looking at and we're testing that which is coming into the church as a whole and saying, you know what, we need to stand on these firm foundations that we've had in place. And this is why they're so important, because Christ is commending the church for them. The boundary stone is whether, whether you've heard what's being taught a hundred times. You know, Christ has commended us. He's commended the Ephesian church for knowing those things to be true, for for walking in the ways that He's set out for, um, for hating those things which which He Himself hates. But for me, in my own life, I really want to make sure I don't make it to verse five. I don't I don't want to get there to forget my first love, because my first love is. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's incredible. I don't want to be so busy doing things for him or learning about him that I I realise all of a sudden I don't know him. In Matthew 7, verse 21 to 22, let's turn there quickly. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, because the one who does the will of my Father, uh, who is, um, because he does not do the will of uh, my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The work of God is so important. Christ says here, you know, those who are, who are calling on him, he'll say, look, you didn't do all the things that I asked you to. There were, there were works for you to do. There were important things for you to do. But equally, then in almost the same breath, he says, but, it, but that's not, not at the expense of not knowing me. Yeah. We can prophesy. We can, we can heal people. We can do all the things that Christ calls us to do, and yet not know him. I, I find that quite sobering, really, to be honest. I find it quite sobering. But the exciting thing is that we don't have to. We can know Christ. The door is, like, is wide open for us to know Christ. There's no, there's no difficulty in that. There's no, I don't sit around and wonder whether I'm going to make it because I do know Christ. I do know him. But, but the warning is in here. The warning is in here just to say, check yourself. To go am i remembering my first love am i is my am i just doing these 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 things because i should or because i know that they are the will of the father because i know that they are bringing joy to christ or am i just doing them because i'm on a rotor? i just want to know jesus and i'm just saying these things because they're things i've been asking myself i want i want i want to I just want to do a checkup, you know? Say, Christ, are you the centre and focus of my view? Not your work. Not things that I think I should do. But are you, yourself, the person of Jesus? Are you my full and complete view? But, you know, it's not just when I'm on my own that I want to remember my love for him. I want us to do that together. More and more to worship as a body, to press in, to see Christ together. Because, you know, when I worship at home or when I'm walking around or in my office or when I'm worshipping, it's glorious and it's magnificent. But then when I see Christ, I think, oh, God, you're worthy of so much more than this. <laughs> you're worthy of so much more than just me on my own praising you. And, and you know, to be honest, when, then when we're together and we start praising him and I'm like, yes, This is awesome, we're praising him, 500 people lifting their voices to the Lord, and all of a sudden I start, I see him and I think, oh Lord, you're so much worthier than this, you deserve so much more, but but I want to encourage us to worship more and more together, because he's worthy of it, he's worthy of it, and it's glorious. You know, sometimes you might see me um, stop singing and just look around and look at you all, and uh, please don't be weirded out by that, because I'm just appreciating how much Jesus is worth. I'm just appreciating, look at this. Look at these redeemed people singing to the Lord. It's, it's almost like a taster of every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So this is my encouragement today. I'm not obviously not here to teach and lay down doctrine. My encouragement today is just simply that we just give ourselves to knowing Jesus more. In all that we're doing, in all that we're learning, in all that we are looking at, let's just remember, Jesus is the focus. It's all about Jesus, and he is so amazing. Let's love him, let's press in, whether we're at home or whether we're together, let's behold the face of our beautiful Jesus together. Let's not settle for just good music. Let's not just settle, if I can say this reverently, let's not just settle for miracles. Because the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, had food literally fall from heaven, and they still complained because they'd seen the miracle, but they hadn't seen the one who had enabled the miracle. I don't want to see miracles amongst us if I don't see the one who enabled the miracle. Because the only reason he does miracles is to show himself, to show some aspect of himself. When he heals somebody, it's to say, I love you. When he provides for somebody, it's to say, I love you let's not settle until we can say jesus i have beheld your face i have seen your love and lord here's mine poured back out Amen. Amen. Thank you, lord. the door is wide open to us for this relationship if the musicians want to want to come back up we have the word which the holy spirit is desiring to make real to us to reveal jesus to us We have the Holy Spirit so that we can worship him in spirit and in truth. So that we can pray to him even when we're not sure what to pray. But this relationship, it takes time. It's like any other relationship. It requires us to go, I'm going to put some time aside for this. You know, I could do this, that or the other. But instead, Jesus, you're my focus. I want to just love you. I want to bless you. I want to know you. But I'm learning more and more that it's the only relationship. It's not the only relationship that matters. Sorry, but it's it's the most important relationship in my life. Is that with that with Christ? Let's just turn very quickly to Hebrews 10:19. Just going to finish with this. As we um, can we stand? So just read this. We're going to worship the Lord, and we're just going to just as I've um, shared this, let's just worship jesus together let's spur one another on to lift our voices to the lord to honor him the door is wide open if you're here today and you've thought you know what i have been i have been overly concerned with work with things to do with christ or maybe not but you just know that jesus has slipped from the focus of your vision this morning the door wide open there's no penance you have to pay, but you just have to turn from what you've been doing to Christ. Hebrews 10:19 to 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's worship our wonderful,
0: incredible Jesus together.
2: I also love Jesus. With all of my heart. He is so easy to love. He's so lovable and I'm so pleased that we've spent some time worshipping and and telling him how much we love him. Um, It's an amazing, amazing thing as as Mike has rightly exhorted us to to love Jesus with all that we have. And, you know, there's actually great authority in, in loving Jesus. That might sound like an odd thing to say, but... Um, when we love Jesus, we have authority. I'll explain a little bit about what I mean by that. But as you love Jesus, you say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. It's because we love him that we make him Lord of our lives. And might refer to the scripture in John fourteen fifteen that says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Right. And as we love Jesus, we obey his commands because we make him Lord of our lives. And as we make Jesus Lord, we say, Lord, we submit to your authority. We, we are under the authority of the Lord. And the amazing thing about that is that gives us great authority. As we submit to the authority of the Lord, we come under his authority, and so we have authority. There's a great story um, in Luke chapter 7, if you wouldn't mind turning there, which illustrates this well. This is just really to to give an example of this, but what I'm trying to convey right now is that in our worship, it's full of authority. All all that we've just done just now, um, in what we've sung, in the actions that we've taken in in raising our hands or kneeling down, um, and in being together. So in what we sing, in what we do, and in our being together, they're the, the three things. In those three things, there is much authority. So this is an example in Luke chapter 7, verses 7 to 10. This is a Roman officer, and he says, I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. You see, the Roman officer's soldiers were operating in the authority of the Roman officer. When they say, go and do this, it's because their officers said, go and do this. And it's the same with Jesus. He, he, He gives us authority because he has authority. In Matthew 10, verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I don't know about you, but I can't do that in my own authority. I can't heal the sick and raise the dead and and cure the leper and all of those things. But I know somebody who can, and he is full of authority. And because of that, I have the authority to do that. And when I'm a disciple of Jesus, that is somebody who says, Jesus, I love you with all that I have. Jesus, you are Lord. That's a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You follow him because he's your Lord. And when I say, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of the Lord, then he gives me commands like that. That's a command to the disciples. There's another one in Matthew 28, in verses 18 to 19. Jesus says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's full of authority, and he gives me authority to go and do those things. It's an amazing thing. And so, a heart that is in love with and submitted to Christ is one that's under his authority, and so one that has authority. And the thing about worship is that it's an overflow of our hearts. It says that in Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, Let all that I am praise the Lord, with my whole heart I will praise his holy name. And so, if our worship is an overflow of our hearts, then all that we do in worship must be full of authority, because our hearts are full of authority, because they're under the authority of Christ. And so in Proverbs 4:23, when it says, above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it, it means that all of the things that we do are full of authority. And in Luke 6:45, when it says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, it means that the things that we say are full of authority. Don't worry about turning to all these scriptures, by the way. I appreciate that I'm kind of rattling through them, Um, but just make a note of them if you like. There are some to to turn to. Um, But what it means is that all that we say and all that we do is full of authority. It means that what comes out, out of our mouths is full of authority. There's authority in what we sing when we worship. Have a look at Mark 11, 23. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Just to reiterate that there, there is authority in our words. It says here, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. This is the amplified version, but it's not 10 minutes long. Don't worry, it's just one verse. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power Believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance with God's will. There's great authority in our words. Say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will be done for you. Great authority in our words. And in Proverbs 18, verse 21, it quite simply says, The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. So, what's the implication of the authority of our mouths when we're singing? Well, Did anyone hear Tony on Wednesday night? He was fantastic. Please listen to the podcast if you haven't heard him. But he was encouraging us in our prophetic nature. And because we are a prophetic people, it means that when we sing, we're singing with a prophetic voice the promises back to God. He's given us promises, and we sing those promises back to him. And because it's a prophetic voice that we sing them with, it provokes a response from God. And that's full of authority. That is full of authority. It means... That when we sing songs like No Other Name, like we sang this morning, there's lines that say, um, The earth will shake and tremble before him. Chains will break as heaven and earth sing, Holy is your name. Yes. They're the promises of God. That's in his word. And so as we sing those words, that's full of authority because we sing the promises of God back to him. Yeah. It means that when we sing songs like Victor's Crown, every high thing must come down, every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You have overcome. You have overcome. Well, think of the story of Christ dying and being resurrected and all the, everything that came with that. And that is encapsulated in that bridge. It's the truth of the word of God. And it's, it's kind of easy to understand that with those kind of big anthemic sort of songs where there's, you know, let's all build up to the bridge and then let's have an awesome time singing the bridge and then maybe we'll come back down to the chorus again. <laughs> maybe go to verse one or verse two and then back to the bridge again, you know. And that's kind of easy to understand. But, but what about a song like um, God I Look To You? God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. Kind of relaxed. God, I look to you. You're where my hope comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Yeah. Is that full of authority? Yeah. Well, yes, it is. Because, you know, when I'm singing a song like that, I think, Jesus, I love you with all my heart. I'm completely submitted to you. And I'm under your authority. I therefore know that I'm in authority. I have authority, because of that, to heal the sick in your name, because you say so in your word. Yes. Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. And Lord, I know that there are people here who are unwell, and I know to lay my hands on them, because it also says that in your word, in Mark 16:18. But Lord, I want to be as specific as you will allow me to be with how I can pray for these people, because your word also tells me, Proverbs 12:8, that the words of the wise will bring healing. So, Lord, I need wisdom. I know another one of your promises of your word, Lord. It says, if you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. It says that to me in James 1, verse 5. And so, Lord, I know all of these promises, and whilst I'm thinking about this, we've sang the first three lines, and here comes line four, give me wisdom. And the authority of the words that I've sung just then mean that I now have the wisdom to speak a wise word to someone that needs healing, which means that they will get healed. So it means that when I then sing a song like, everlasting God, you do not faint, you won't grow weary, you are the defender of the weak. It means that all of those things are true as well because I've just prayed for wisdom, for healing, and I can sing those words knowing that those words can heal. I know that those words that I'm now singing can bring healing to people because they're full of authority. So all the words that we sing when we come together are full of authority. I think that's probably quite clear by the the last five minutes we spent talking about that. But you know there's also authority in, in what we do. So we could talk about the authority of lots of different things that we do when we come together. You know, we, we, um, we, we lay our hands on people, and that's full of authority. And when we uncover or cover our heads to pray or prophesy in a gathering, that's full of authority. Yeah. And when we kneel down, that's full of authority. And when we raise our hands, that's full of authority. And there's, there's so many different things. But let's just take a look at the raising of our hands, for instance. And I think similar principles that we apply here, we can, we can apply those to other actions that we do. And, you know, you might think, why do we raise our hands? Is it just because the tune gets a bit bigger and, and the words are getting a bit stronger and, and all of a sudden I can't hold my arms down anymore and here we go? Well, maybe, but that shouldn't be your motivation. <laughs> it's very biblical to raise your hands to the Lord for lots of different reasons. Um, don't worry about turning to these scriptures, but... You can raise your hands because you want to bless God. And it says in Psalm 63, verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. And there's a heart of, I just want to bless and extol your name, Lord Jesus. And then it says later on in Psalm 141, verse 2, accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening sacrifice. And there's this heart of commitment to God which means that my hands are raised to say, Lord, I'm just completely committed to you. And then in Psalm 143, in verse 6, it says, I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. And there's this heart of a total dependence on the Lord that means I raise my hands to say, Jesus, I just completely depend on you. And there's these things and and many others. But all of those um, reasons, if you like, for why we might raise our hands carry authority because they all magnify the Lord. They all make his name highly exalted. And that is full of authority because it means that we say to ourselves and to the enemy who would like to tell us otherwise that Jesus is in the place of highest honor. It means that regardless of the situation, that Jesus is greater. It means that when I raise my hands, it's not just because the tune provokes me to do so. It's because I'm saying, Lord, you are magnified you are the name above every other name, the Lord of all lords, and, and I know that, and, and thank you, Lord, that it's true, and, and the enemy knows that, and I'm just saying that right now, that you are the Lord. There's power and authority in the raising of our hands. That's
0: right. That's
2: right. When I was thinking about this, um, God said to me, Moses and the Amalekites. Yeah, I thought, right. God, what on earth are you talking about? That's right. So I looked at the story of Moses and the Amalekites, and it's the amazing story of where Moses is there with his hands raised, and the Israelites are winning the battle. And when his hands grow weary, Aaron and Hur come alongside him and, and lift his hands up, and they put a stone underneath him. And as long as his hands are raised, they're winning the battle. And I thought, that's such a fantastic picture of our worship. We raise our hands to magnify the name of the Lord because it brings victory. And if we grow weary, it's so good that we're gathered together because we can come alongside one another and lift one another's hands. And if that's not enough, then we've got the rock of Jesus Christ underneath us. The rock of truth, the rock of salvation of Jesus Christ is underneath us for us to stand firmly on and lift our hands and proclaim the victory that has been claimed for us already. It's fantastic. There is authority in the raising of our hands. The reason to to say that and to say that there's authority in these things is because we need to realize that and know how powerful our worship is know how powerful it is when we gather together to come and lift our hands or or sing these words because you know if you do need breakthrough in in a situation then prayer is fantastic and 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 maybe the answer for you but you know what there is also power in just raising your hands and singing to the lord there's such power that comes in that and so there is authority also in our being together ephesians 5 describes the church as the bride of christ without spots or wrinkle or blemish. And there's other images in the word used to describe the church. There's um, the house or the family or the body or um, an army. All of these images are kind of all-inclusive. They don't leave anybody out. You you can't take a brick out of a house because you've one brick less of a house then. And you can't have one rank leave the army and you can't have one arm fall off the body. You need every every person in there to, to make it up. And it's the same with the bride, the bride of Christ. It includes everybody, it includes each one of us. And why am I talking about the bride of Christ? Well, because in 2 Corinthians 3 18, it tells us that we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The bride of Christ is being made ready for the Lamb. We know that, that don't we? That's, that's the truth of the word. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And that has to do with worship, because worship changes us. It takes us from one degree of glory to the next. Um, Tony also referred to a scripture in Ezekiel 46, which talks about the temple of the Lord, and it says... If you go in through the, the South Gateway, then you are to leave through the North Gateway. And if you go in through the North Gateway, to leave through the South Gateway. And um, the, the thing behind that is that it, it's just simply to say that when you come into worship, you're different when you leave. You come out a different way, you are changed. Right. Yeah. And so our worship is so integral to us going from one degree of glory to the next as the Bride of Christ. And that means that when we gather together, each one of us has something to do. Each one of us has a part to play because I'm not the bride of Christ on my own, and I'm not the bride of Christ without you, and you're not the bride of Christ without me. We all matter, we're all important. It means that when we come here on a, on a Sunday morning, when you gather with your life group on a mostly on a Wednesday night, some on a different night, but when, um, when you're with the church of God, you have something. I have something to, to, to bring to, to what's there. I like this scripture uh, from the message in 1 Corinthians. It says, here's what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for us all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, lead a prayer, provide an insight. And all of these things, and there's many more things we could add to the list. But it means that your contribution matters. It means you may be giving the word from the front, or you may be in row seven on the left-hand side, encouraging the person next to you. And both of those things are taking the bride of Christ from one degree of glory to the next, because we're all being changed together to be more more and more like Jesus. So what's that all got to do with authority? Well, if we're becoming more like Jesus, we're taking on all of his nature, and part of his nature is that he's full of authority. He says, we read it already in Matthew 28, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And if we're coming into all of Christ, we're coming into all of his nature, and that means all of his authority. We're coming into the authority of Christ. So even if you are, in row seven, talking to the person on the left-hand side of you to bring an encouragement, that is bringing the authority of Christ to the bride of Christ to mean that we're going from one degree of glory to the next. Please never (coughs) underestimate the power of, of what you have to bring to a gathering. It's all important. It means that we're becoming more and more like Jesus, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so, I appreciate, I, I may have rambled quite quickly through for, for a lot of things there, but what I really want to just express is that there's so much authority when we gather to worship together. Yeah. There's nothing small about singing our songs together. There's, there's nothing small about raising oh. your hands. Yeah. And there's nothing small about turning up on a Sunday morning to worship the Lord with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Mike read from Hebrews 10, um, and we'll just turn there in closing. <laughs> Hebrews 10, and it says in in verses 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What you have to bring is so important, whether it's just singing the words of authority that you've been given, whether it's just raising your hands and laying your hand on somebody next to you, or whether it's just coming and being here. But your your very being here is is full of authority. It all counts towards us being transformed into the glorious image of Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we thank you that you as one under authority have given us authority lord the moment we say that we want to follow you that we are your disciples we say that you are lord and we submit to your authority we we have hearts that are totally submitted to you and because of that lord you entrust your authority to us meaning that we can heal the sick and cleanse the leper and cast out the demon and also lord that we can come and sing words full of authority to you we can come and raise our hands to extol your name, to magnify the name of the Lord. And we can come to, to be together, to encourage one another, to, to make a difference and, and contribute to us being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Thank you, Lord, that these things are all true, that we, we don't just talk about theory or, or anything like that, Lord, but it's the truth of your word. It's the truth of your word. And above it all, Lord, we, we just say again that we love you with all that we have. All of this is is a byproduct of that. But first of all, we say, Lord, we love you. We love you with all of our hearts. We submit to your loving authority, to your loving leadership, and we say that you are Lord above all, above all things, Lord. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you.